Thank you all for being here today. My name is Brent Fugate. I'm the senior pastor here at Byfield Parish Church, and it's a huge privilege to stand before you here today, as it always is. Back in the summer, my wife Anne was talking with one of her friends. This friend's family had just returned from a Christian family camp they go to each summer. They had a great time there, swimming, playing games, and going to services. It was all very idyllic. One of the nice things about this camp is that all the meals are included. Families eat with other families from a buffet. I think Anne wanted to go to the camp just so she wouldn't have to make food for our kids for a week after hearing that. But uh, in addition to the buffet, there's ice cream, there's a snack shop. You gotta pay a little bit extra for those things, but they're available. So the friend that Anne was speaking with, her and her husband didn't wanna be harassed by their kids the whole week they were at camp. So they gave the kids a tremendous amount of freedom to be able to eat whatever they wanted. They just kind of let them do their thing. And that included candy and ice cream. If you were a parent, you can probably guess how this freedom played out. The first day, the kids go a little bit wild. They eat tons of food, candy, and ice cream. Not surprisingly, this leads to a stomach ache or two. Every once in a while, a kid vomits. That's the price you gotta pay. But the kids, they learn their lesson, at least somewhat. For the remainder of the week, the kids use the freedom they have at camp much more responsibly. They still enjoy themselves, but they generally manage to stop short of making themselves sick. In today's verses, Paul is trying to coach the Corinthians on how to use the freedom they enjoy through Christ well. The Corinthians are like kids the first day of camp. They're using their freedom to gorge themselves to excess. The results are not good. They are sick. Christians have to learn how to use the freedom we have through Christ well. Please turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We'll be reading verse, beginning in verse 12 and through the first part of verse 15. If you were using the Pew Bible, that's page 897. Those few verses will also be projected on the screen behind me. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, through the first part of verse 15. Hear the word of the Lord. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Amen. The grass withers and the flowers fade. 
But the word of the Lord remains forever. Freedom requires maturity, which is something the Corinthians lack. They are using the freedom they have in Christ in hurtful ways. Their choices are negative for them as individuals and for those they are in a relationship with. Their church is a mess. The purposes for which they are using their freedom are harmful. Paul is acknowledging that the Corinthians do have freedom while trying to point them towards a better way of using that freedom, the good way of Jesus. This is a narrow road to follow. It is the only road that leads anywhere beneficial. Christians have freedom. The only helpful way to use that freedom is to follow Jesus Christ. These verses open with the claim, all things are lawful for me. If someone says this to you, what would you think? I'll tell you what you wouldn't think. You wouldn't think this is a person I can trust. They are not going to follow through on their commitments. Reliable people don't think they can do whatever they want. Just this week, I was actually driving through Georgetown to go meet with somebody, and I, I was turning on a side road, and there was a young guy. He looked like he was probably like 17 or 18. He was walking a dog, and he was wearing a sweatshirt that said, I can do whatever I want, or something like that. But it wasn't like, that's the wrong phrasing. I think it said, I do what I want. And I thought to myself, man, I feel sorry for that kid's parents, right? Like, if that's his actual philosophy of living life. That's a pretty terrible philosophy. This is the sort of thing a spoiled child would claim. If they were going to say it verbally, or I guess on a sweatshirt, they would say it in simple words. But the more likely scenario is that people just live out these words with a total disregard for anyone else. All things are lawful for me. Baked into that statement about all things being lawful is the belief that each person is their own highest authority. They know what is best for themselves. Nobody else's beliefs matter. Really, nobody else matters in general. The person who has a life motto of all things are lawful for me refuses to admit that no man is an island. They are incredibly individualistic. All that matters is what works for them. If their behavior causes problems for others, then that is the other person's problem. This way of thinking isn't functional in any area of life. Most of us have had to work with someone that clearly thinks all things are lawful for them. Some of us have family, family members that behave this way. You can't have a good relationship with someone that recognizes no boundaries on their actions. One place the failure of this sort of 
me-driven thinking becomes most obvious is actually on sports teams. When you watch almost any team sport, the players on the court or the field, they all have specific roles. Coaches give each player a specific set of rules or guidelines for how to respond in a given situation. Take the Patriots as an example. Later today, the Patriots will play the Cleveland Browns. The Browns have many gifted receivers, although one less than they did last week, for those of you that follow sports. To keep those receivers from scoring multiple touchdowns, every player on New England's secondary will have to follow the rules they have been given by the coaches for the type of defense they are running. So we're gonna get, we're gonna get technical here for a second. In a standard cover two out of a base four three alignment, the quarterbacks are responsible for the passing routes that take place within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage, whereas the safeties are responsible for everything deep. If the secondary is in a cover three, then the safeties and one of the cornerbacks is responsible for the three deep zones. Now, that may not have meant anything to you. That's fine. You're not a football player. You don't need to know that. The point is, if any of the Patriots' secondary players decides he has the freedom to do whatever he thinks is best because he knows better, the whole defense is likely to collapse. Next thing you know, one of the Browns receivers will be doing some obnoxious dance in the end zone. Did you like my dance? That's, that's about the limit of the dancing. What is true in sports is true in life in general. A person's actions will have consequences for those, for themselves, and for those they interact with. So how should we understand Paul when he writes, all things are lawful for me? All things are lawful for me. Paul is actually quoting a slogan that the people at the church in Corinth said back to them. That's why there's quote marks around it. He is not encouraging this sort of thinking. He is refuting the ridiculousness of their own statements. The Corinthians had decided there was no limits on their behavior. They could do whatever they felt like. This wasn't just some theoretical belief. They lived out this belief in a variety of ways. Not surprisingly, the community that resulted from a bunch of people that refused any limitations on their actions was one with a lot of division. That's, that's not what a church is. Notice that in Paul's refutation, he doesn't absolutely deny that all things are lawful. What has likely happened in this situation is that the Corinthians have taken a piece of Paul's teaching and built a whole theology around that one aspect. Paul had let them know that in Christ, all things are lawful. 
They didn't need to worry about avoiding certain foods or being circumcised as the Jewish law demanded. The Corinthians took Paul's teaching and made a jump. Instead of being free in Christ, the Corinthians thought they were just free to do whatever pleased them. The phrase, all things are lawful, is met by Paul with the counter-argument that not all things are helpful, and I will not be dominated by anything. All Christians have freedom through Christ. The question every person has to ask themselves is how this freedom should be used. This is not an easy question to answer. In the Old Testament book of Exodus, the people of Israel are freed from their slavery in the land of Egypt. They have freedom. As they move through the wilderness with Moses, many of the people begin to idealize their former slavery. At least when they were slaves, they had the food they wanted, even if their lives were not their own. I spent the summer when I turned 21 teaching English in Budapest, Hungary as part of a missionary program. At that time, many of the adult Hungarians I talked with, they could still remember what it was like to live under communist rule. They would tell me about how you never talked politics in the old days. You never complained about the limited food options or anything else because you didn't know if the secret police were listening. Your own family members might be spies. Living under the oppression of communism sounded terrible. I was surprised to learn that there were Hungarians that longed for those days of communist rule. When communism ruled, there was no freedom. It's true. They would point out everyone had a house. Everyone had a job. There were no homeless people on the streets. We think of freedom as being inherently good. While freedom is good, it can be used poorly. Americans today have an incredible amount of freedom, not just politically, but economically and culturally. The freedom we have isn't being used for good results. For freedom to be helpful, it must be used to accomplish good things. Not everything that freedom can be used for is good. Leaving here today, I could, I could swing by the grocery store on the way home. I could buy a dozen donuts, a pound of chicken wings, and a two liter of Coke. And then I could sit on my couch from about one this afternoon until after midnight watching football. That actually, it sounds kind of fun, right? I have the freedom to do all of those things. At the end of the day, the choices I freely made are not going to help me or anyone else. I'm going to feel terrible. And my family is going to feel unloved. 
Many of the choices Christians make enslave us. We are like the Israelites in the desert yearning for Egypt. Or the Hungarians remembering the good old days of communism. We choose to be dominated by sin. What are the things that dominate people's lives? Work, finances, relationships, hobbies, lust, and belongings, to name a few. The majority of the time, the things we are dominated by are things that we have chosen. You will talk to someone and they will tell you that they have a job that they hate. Why do they work a job they hate? They have to pay for an expensive house or they made a decision in the past not to pursue additional training that could have opened up the door for a better job. The life a person wakes up to is each morning is mostly the sum total of the decisions they have made. This sounds harsh and certainly there are plenty of exceptions. A person gets hit by a drunk driver or is diagnosed with lung cancer, even though they've never smoked. These exceptions don't disprove the rule. The life we have is mostly the result of the decisions we have made. The more you move forward in life, the more your freedom is constrained by, by decisions that have been previously made. Paul says, I will not be dominated by anything. He recognizes many of the decisions he could freely make have a catch. Sin is always looking for a way to set its hook in us. It will gladly offer some short-term good we desire if that good allows sin to dominate our lives long-term. Most people would agree with Paul. I don't, think, I don't think anybody sets out to be dominated. The issue is you cannot just avoid domination by refusing to use your freedom. A free person that is so fearful of being enslaved they refuse to act isn't really free. To be free, to avoid domination, a person must do more than avoid the wrong choices. They must make the right ones. The only beneficial way to enjoy freedom that avoids domination is to use it to inhabit the good God has made possible for us in Jesus Christ. That may sound like a bait and switch. If the only way I should really use the freedom I have as a Christian is to do what God says is good, am I really free? Yeah, you are. You can still choose to do that, which is not good. The Corinthians are using their freedom in some pretty disturbing ways. In their minds, they are doing well. Very rarely... Do people think they are doing bad even when it is obvious to everyone else? Nations that are intentionally wiping out whole ethnic groups argue that what they are doing is good. 
When people commit suicide, they convince themselves that the world will be better off without them. Freedom doesn't mean that you or any other person gets to define good. If it did, that would mean good isn't an actual thing that exists. It would be whatever each person says it is. A world in which every person does what is right in their own eyes is a world filled with predation and immorality. It's hard to say which is worse. A nation with one false definition of good that everybody agrees on? Or a nation in which nobody can agree on what is good? Goodness emanates from God. Good is not something he aspires to. It is not a standard outside of himself. Psalm 100 verse 5 says, For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. As the creator of the earth, God is the standard of good for all things. There is no other standard. C.S. Lewis points out, there are only two kinds of people. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those to whom God says, all right then, have it your way. God's desire is that we use the freedom he has made possible for us to practice his good. He designed us for good in the first place. Paul writes, the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. We were not made to use our bodies in certain ways. We were made for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from God's intent for us. We cannot do what we were designed to do. Our programming has been confused. This means in our natural state, we lacked the freedom to do good. Every person was born enslaved to sin. All are limited. The freedom of those that have not experienced God's grace is incomplete at best. They cannot know goodness fully. The Bible describes fallen people as spiritual slaves. God sent Jesus to redeem us out of spiritual bondage. He set us free. We have been joined to Christ. We have the freedom to be good as he is good. This doesn't necessarily mean we will use our freedom as God hopes we will. But we do have that capacity through the Holy Spirit. The only helpful use of the freedom God has granted us through Christ is using it to be more like Jesus. Being more like Jesus should be the good we are choosing at every opportunity. I said earlier that our lives are the cumulative results of the decisions we make. Being more like Jesus is the result of many choices freely made 
over a long period of time. Many Christians live their lives at a, like the kids at a camp with no limits. They gorge themselves on this world's offering. They ask themselves what they can do, not what they should do. As a result, they make themselves spiritually and often even physically sick. We can do all sorts of things. That doesn't mean we should. We have to recognize that not all things are helpful. Many of the decisions we make dominate us. Being free is hard. Life is simpler for slaves. It is not good, but it is straightforward. All a slave has to worry about is pleasing whoever their master is. Christians have been set free, that have been set free, have a challenging calling. We are called by God to use the freedom he has given us to choose good, to choose to follow Jesus Christ. The more we do so, the more we mature into being like Christ. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to stand here today to think over what your word says in these verses, Lord. And it is a challenge to us, Lord. It's a challenge because we recognize that as Christians, we often misuse our freedom in ways small and sometimes ways that are really significant, Lord. I pray that we would repent of any misuses of our freedom, Lord, and that we would choose to follow Christ as you have made possible for all those who have experienced saving faith, Lord. We thank you that you've made that possible through Jesus, your Son, and through the Holy Spirit. We ask that you would be with us, that you would shape us so that we might live out the freedom that we enjoy in Christ in a way that is healthy and productive for our lives. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.